Well, hey, thank you for joining us. We're, we have another episode of DevOps Unbound. We have a great topic today. We're going to be talking about data ops and how do we manage the uh, the plethora, the, the mass amount of data that we both create through our applications and we also create as part of our software uh, development process. DevOps Unbound is sponsored by our wonderful friends at Tricentis who work with us on some of the content for the, for these shows, though it's not a product pitch by them by any means. They're, they're constantly uh, helping us with kind of de- figure out topics that are interesting to people that are living in the worlds of creating software and testing and DevOps and data and all kinds of great things. So thank you to the team, uh, Lanier and our producer Jody for helping us put this panel together. So let's get started. By the way, my friend, Alan, co-host Alan Schimmel, is away. He's just getting back into the country from some international travel. So I'm sure he'll join us on a, on a future episode. So let's jump right into it. Let's start out by having our panel uh, introduce themselves. Um, Devani, would you start us out, please? Tell us a little bit about you, kind of the kind of work that you do. And you're welcome to mention who you're with if you choose to. Uh, my name is Devani Lamas. I'm the CEO of a startup called Transposit. Uh, we are a process automation company focused on helping uh, technical operations teams of all sorts, from DevOps to SRE to IT teams, drive better customer experiences by automating collaborative workflows like incident management, help desk requests, and developer experience. Uh, I've been in the data space most of my career, previously ran product teams at Splunk, and I'm very, very excited to talk about a topic very close to my heart. There's a lot of data get created in those kind of products, so <laughs> for sure, a wonderful experience. Uh, how about Arun? Would you would you go next? Sure. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, I'm Arun Muchandani, and uh, I am uh, with a startup uh, Narwal, which is focused on data automation cloud. And uh, we have been helping uh, industries in uh, doing the data engineering, data storage, data automation, as well as uh, the encircle from the automation perspective on the application automation, which includes the DevOps, data ops, and the MLOps side. And also we have a strong cloud competencies, which is from the cloud modernization and the cloud migration perspective. Been in industry for over 15 years, predominantly in the data analytics space and worked with the likes of American Express, Discover, MasterCard, Visa. And this, same as Devani said, this is a topic which is very close to our heart and happy to be here. Vast quantities of data being generated by those types of companies. So <laughs> you're very familiar with the topic. All right, uh, Andrew, if you want to jump in next, love to have you introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Andrew Hughes. I run QA DevOps and service delivery teams at a company called TriMedics. Uh, we are a clinical engineering services provider. So we have technicians and hospitals all over the country repairing and maintaining medical equipment. And my teams help uh, help build and deliver software that supports our technicians, as well as our customers and understanding what equipment they own, uh, what the cybersecurity posture of their connected medical devices looks like. And uh, we've been partnered with Narwhal for going on five years now, I think, uh, in our digital transformation journey. So they've been they've been a critical partner for us. Excellent. Well, Curtis, bring it home. Uh, introduce yourself here. <laughs> All right. Hello, I'm Curtis O'Dell, I'm the Global Director for Tricentis uh, Data Integrity Solution. I've been in data space about 35 years, built a lot of risk systems across many different uh, verticals. Uh, we are the test automation leader in the world and uh, data is a subset of what we do. We do the full stack 
But um, yeah, it, it all comes back around to DevOps. So this is right on top of the where we love to talk. And uh, that is what makes the world go around. That's for sure. No doubt. Well, let's start out with this. I'd love to, to have us create kind of a working definition of data ops, like everything asterisk ops, right? <laughs> We've got a, something ops for everything, which is great. I mean, I actually love that because it's a good indication of, you know, hey, let's jump on the bandwagon. We have kind of a part to play in this DevOps uh, world of things too. I mean, we can go to Wikipedia and find a definition. We can go to any number of vendor companies who are selling in this space, but we don't have to have the perfect definition. Uh, we just have kind of a working one so that we know kind of how we're defining this space. I looked at Wikipedia and it says that data ops is a set of practices, process technologies that combines an, an integrated and process oriented perspective on data with automation and methods from agile software engineering to improve quality, speed, collaboration, promote a culture of continuous improvement. It's a longer sentence than that. That's a long sentence. Anyway, I don't know. How, how does that strike you as, as a place to start? Or would, would you take exception to it or maybe want to amend or enhance that? Anybody can jump in. Sean Mitch, I'll say that the definition you picked from uh, Wikipedia is a quite a mouthful. We can just make it very simple. It is just the data pipeline automation and how we can just make it more robust. We can make it more predictable and more useful, essentially providing value to the organizations. Oh, I like simpler. Simple is usually hard, but that's that was very good. <laughs> okay, jump in, other folks. You know, I... Uh, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that, I, that I've seen in a lot of the data ops teams that I've worked with is... Um, it's really a, a, you know, a lot of teams are looking at the success of DevOps and uh, those practices and applying those practices that they've learned and have worked really well to lots of different other roles. And for me, DevOps always comes back to culture and um, team dynamics and team behavior. So I think any conversation about data ops also has to uh, touch on how those teams are evolving the way they work within themselves from a, you know, kind of top down waterfall style um, process to a much more collaborative, um, integrated, dynamic, engineering first kind of approach. Great. I would agree. I was just going to add that I always look at it as DevOps as a larger and data ops being kind of a subset of that. And as kind of if folks are familiar with DevOps, it really is everything there, but just focused on data. Seems like data ops gets applied to the large world of data, or more specifically to the world of data within DevOps workflow pipelines, et cetera. And, and probably a lot of the same principles apply. And part of our sort of topic was data integrity of that. Um, because I, I don't know about you, but it's, you know, what's the source of truth? Has it, is it truly, you know, accurate? in today's definition of how we want to use that data has been modified for any number of reasons. Um, is, it a, is it something we could really use for enhancing our workflow pipelines, maybe even governance, you know, for reporting, you know, for compliance and other kind of reasons. There's lots of uses for it. So I'd love for, for um, somebody to kind of start off with, let's talk about workflow um, pipelines, data pipelines in the DevOps process. And, what, what role does data ops play in that? Because we know that we're using a lot of tools. We're doing a lot of work and processes that are creating a lot of data. 
Well, I could say something to that. Um, basically, the way we look at it, or I look at it, is um, and kind of tying in data integrity to that, as well as the data ops, is that today we have a, a world where data is, is this increasing velocity and, and all that's going on. So DevOps has been created so that as you make change in the systems, you can easily continually, uh, and then continuous is the word often used for continuous integration, continuous delivery, continuous testing, so that we can basically keep up with that rate of change. And um, I think the data world from a standpoint is challenged because the majority of, if you will, the processes, if they're not into that type of tool chain that allows for that continuous integration, maybe continuous delivery, but definitely continuous testing, then everything kind of gets stagnant and you end up with a lot of problems and the governance issues and everything that come up because there's not coverage of what's going on. You're not testing, I'm just going to use that word, the change that is happening in a timely fashion so you can't keep up with what's going on. So people then say, well, forget it. Let's just put it in the data ops or DevOps and just send it out into the world. And we'll hope that our production monitoring and systems will catch the problems. It does, it, and it may, but it's too late. We don't test in production. And I think to me, the whole idea behind data ops is that now within an, in the whole new way to look at the world is that you can now really test in these lower environments, be able to run everything you need, the whole idea behind DevOps, work with operations to make quicker, faster moves for the company, and you're averse to all that risk. You're not doing that. So to me, data ops in a way really boils down to risk. And I mean, we have customers, I can give some stories on maybe a little later, uh, that have this as their main guiding principle for what they're trying to do. Because I can't go data ops if I cannot make my processes work with that. And at the end of the day, if the data is not good, what was the purpose at all? Maybe somebody argue with that or agree. Yeah, interesting, Curtis. Uh, I see that uh, means most of the things that you have said, right? That's how the uh, things in real life just happen, happens. So from the data ops perspective, there are six different components uh, that we can just categorize, right? One is the, you can say the collaboration or the code management. Another is the continuous integration. Third piece is the continuous delivery or the deployment aspect. In this uh, uh, collaboration and the integration, you also need to have the continuous testing and the continuous monitoring as well. The aspect of the data integrity becomes important when the different teams, they are not integrated, they are not collaborating and the uh, data observability becomes an issue. So this is the place where we have seen, for example, in one of a large payment uh, processor where we were just working. They had different teams focusing on these different components. So if there was any data integrity issue, they were only catching up when it was reflecting into the reports. So right from the data source, the issue has generated, but you are catching up only in the reports when the damage has been done. So that is the type of problem that we see can be solved by this data ops pipeline where you can have the data observability as a part of continuous monitoring and you can identify and catch up the issues right up front. If you can just identify this process, streamline this process, and then make it repeatable, that can create a tremendous amount of synergies. The spot on courtesy. I think that's a healthy way to look at it. Um, 
the flow of the pipeline across the, that process. And what, and what you remind me of, Arun, is we've, we've had for ages, right, the silo problem, uh, data silos, application team, cultural silos, data isn't immune to that, you know, as well. And as we move through workflows, we move through pipelines, how do you make sure the right data is effectively being used in subsequent steps or being able to look across all those steps to, to gain insight and intelligence? Because, you know, as you mentioned, you don't want to get to the end of the, yeah, we released code, you know, five times this week, but we've now got this problem out five times. If we would have known earlier in the process, we could have changed it, fixed the defect, whatever it might be, made a different decision based on that. Um, Devani, I'm real curious your experience, given your background with this too. You know, I, I think that um, data has gone from being um, a set of reports that might justify, uh, you know, kind of uh, um, hiring asks to our bosses uh, to, to really, you know, data applications and every organization. What really amazes me about most of our customers is that they are all building very heavyweight, complex data applications that are driving core parts of their business. So there's a few things that I think about. I think that you're spot on with the data silos. I think there's also a really big uh, role to play for data ops teams around uh, making sure that the right data is being collected. You know, a lot of people are still using systems that are very manual. They might have a good understanding of their log data. They might have good monitoring data, but they don't have as good of a sense of the human data around their organization, what processes people are running, what workflows. And then there's, you know, kind of that closed loop process about understanding whether the things that you're providing to your customers, to your internal customers are actually meeting the mark and meeting the need. So, um, you know, I, again, back to what we've seen from, from DevOps, I, I really think that we're in the middle of a renaissance right now where it's not just about instrumentation, it's also about asking how can this be a real business uh, advantage for our organization? How can we build a culture of people, you know, like many eyes make light work of uh, identifying problems, continuously improving there. And then, um, you know, like the, the thing that gets me really excited right now is just the number of companies that are asking, how do we make sure that um, down to the collection point, we have that full integrated loop so that if we find that a report isn't getting us what we need, we have a really clean way to get that communication back to the data ops team so that they can go improve the instrumentation in the first place and get the data that we need. And, and that's really where you start seeing the, um, the leverage start happening for organizations in my experience. Andrew, I'm, I'm, cur I'm curious, does this resonate? Is, is data ops sort of the data scientist applied to DevOps? Is it that analytics? Is it that insight? I mean, we obviously have more than that because we're talking about the integrity of data across the, the pipeline. But it is it about getting to the information, getting to it in a way that, you know, is more than trapped in a report or maybe trapped in some storage medium that we can effectively use as part of the DevOps processes? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I apologize for the audio issues earlier. Um, <laughs> my my opening line was about how our, our data team was actually our first early adopters uh, for DevOps practices when we started our DevOps transformation. And so our data teams really led the charge on that front, implementing CICD pipelines and mm -hmm. linting and um, automated uh, data quality checks and things like that into their own workflows. And I think the impact um, 
to the organization has not only been that that's really accelerated our DevOps adoption on our traditional software engineering teams, but it's also, um, I don't know that if you were to say, hey, Andrew, come lead a DevOps transformation at Company X, I don't know that I would have thought before to start with data. Um, but if you think about the way data is used in an organization and the blast radius and the potential to sort of offset um, bad practices or, or mitigate, uh, yeah, I think bringing visibility into the integrity of your data across the pipeline, um, to Devani's point, uh, you know, quickly surfacing those issues and getting them to the right team so they can see them um, for a data team has a different kind of impact in terms of scale across the organization than what you would have in more of a, you know, a siloed application team. Um, it's even honestly influenced, I'd be curious, this is maybe out of scope for this conversation, but be curious for this group. Um, the rate at which our data ops, our data teams have adopted data ops practices has influenced the way we even organize our teams. Um, so previous to this transformation, our teams were really siloed by technology. So we had our data warehousing team, we had our reporting team, we had our application teams. Now we've got cross-functional teams that have embedded data resources on them um, because of this transformation. So yeah, I think um, going back to your initial question, I think where does this sit? Um, I would start with data ops transformation, frankly. You're not the only company that I've heard go through that. We actually have a number of customers. I used to tell people we, we sell to DevOps and SRE teams, and I had to change that to operations <laughs> generally. Because yeah. what I kept finding was um, we have a number of, of companies that, um, you know, many of them were even more modern companies, but as they were really looking at their landscape, you know, the thing about your, your core business and your core business of code is that there's often so much legacy software sitting there, whereas a lot of companies are newer to the data space. And so it just means that the, the technologies, the systems, like it's all new. There's not that cruff. There's not the politics. There's not all that other kind of stuff. And so you can really say we're going to start the way that we would like everything else to go over time and create an example for the rest of the organization. And then it's just such an immediate business impact, right? Like, because you're, you're immediately affecting all of these different business groups that have those needs around data. So I, I have uh, multiple examples in my head of companies that have gone through exactly that same transformation. And I now tell people, uh, if you don't have data around what you're doing, then even if you go and implement a DevOps practice in your core engineering team, are you going to know? It's like, if, if a DevOps team transforms in a forest and no one's there, yeah. did it actually improve the engineering quality? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it didn't. Um, so kind all of, I know is, all I know is, is I have to outrun the bear or not <laughs> eat the bear, but I just have to outrun you exactly. <laughs> anyway. So, 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 no. <laughs> That's a very interesting piece. Uh, Mitch and Vinny. I see that this only gets more, uh, aggravated when we see the newer technologies coming in, uh, earlier you just mentioned, right. Regarding the data science piece, that's, that's another beast, right? Uh, the difference between the data science or the, you can see the machine learning code and the other uh, codes is that machine learning code is live and uh, it is just keeps on changing with the data that it feeds on. So it has to have a handle in a different way. So how we used to have a traditional code where we ship it into the production, it is remains statics and it is done. So the uh, DevOps and the data ops practices were different. With machine learning, you need to see that how the data drift comes into play, how you can just manage the models which were working earlier, are they still valid or not? And COVID was a great example. It was a data that was not seen by the machine learning models. So once this COVID happened, the machine learning models were just behaving erratic because they have not seen this type of differences. So that led to the uh, 
high demand in our clients for the machine learning model operations, which is the ML ops, which has come in. And again, DevOps being the umbrella, data ops being the subset, and then machine learning has become a further subset of it. And that was an interesting piece, which we have seen data integrity became an issue and how we can just install those type of practices, which can help this pipeline to be automated and more responsive to the changes that we are seeing in the environment. I have kind of a controversial opinion on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of controversial opinions. Um, you know, so so I think that there's just some really, really interesting stuff going on in the AI space around large language models and transformer-based models. And I'm sure you guys have all seen Dolly and, you know, all the work coming out of OpenAI and Microsoft. And it's like, it's an arms race, right? Like the AI winter is done and we are like very much in the middle <laughs> of a very exciting time. But what I found very interesting is that with the rise of these large models, you're going to see a lot of organizations that are going to move away from training super detailed models for themselves and really leveraging a lot of things out of the box that, um, you know, kind of come pre-trained on, on billions of data sets and are able to accelerate stuff. And so in light of that, the most important thing you can do is make sure that your data that you are using and that you are pushing into those models is clean, that it is well understood, that you understand any bias that might be in that data that might lead to a certain decision or not. And so what I've been seeing is a real rise in the machine learning engineer and the machine learning engineer as a path to ops. And um, I think, again, back to data ops, ML ops, all of these teams, right? It's like, how do we take these practices that we've like seen work very, very, very well and um, apply them across our organizations? Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to start seeing the same thing in finance <laughs> anytime uh, as well. Curtis, you're, you're um, nodding in a pretty big way there. I well, see. I'm nodding. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of agree and disagree too. Okay. Um, so, um, so I've been around a long time. You can tell by the gray hair. Um, so we work with a lot of large enterprises. So you've got systems or records out there that are very old mainframes and things like that, right? And those are not going away. I know everybody's dreamt about the day when there's no mainframes. They're never going away. They're, in fact, getting bigger. And so uh, what, what happens is, is that you, you've got to look at it from a standpoint of, and, and what the wording that I would use is democratization of data, right? So data ops is going to allow you now to take these siloed data, and that's the mechanism that really drives it through the capability to get that out to all the people that need that data. So it, it's a critical piece that's often overlooked. So we're, we're in the test automation, end-to-end, -end, like you were saying, the full circle test. We do all that. Beautiful. But if it's not continuous, if it's not built into data ops processes, it's not going to get where it needs to go. And I think that's what you were leading back to, Mitch, too. And I think that, you know, on the machine learning side, what, we, you know, again, we were talking about the data quality, data integrity of those, of what we learned. So we had a major pharmaceutical, one of the largest in the world. Um, uh, they uh, were working on innovation for vaccines and we're big in their vaccines group and they were feeding. And so the, a lot of the proprietary stuff in innovation, I know what Devani's saying as far as like all these things that you can have access to from a data and model, but their innovation is built on their machine learning and AI. They're building it internally. Well, the data was bad. So guess what? They didn't get artificial, like I say, it's not artificial smart. It could be artificial dumb intelligence. It's all based on the quality of the data it reads from. And their data was bad. So 
they didn't have success in back then. These are hundreds of millions of dollars in innovation losses. And this is proprietary to folks. So it is very critical that as you try to, and I understand, you know, people try to bias out the bad data and such, but that's going to, it depends. That might work or it might not. Your best bet is to make sure you've got good data that feeds those models, build a data ops process to drive that that automation around that testing. Uh, Their case, they were pulling every medical thing that ever happened to a rat since 1974, every single. So it was an incredible amount of data, but nobody was checking that to make sure it was correct. And so machine learning and AI is going to try to, it's it's always going to be biased, in my opinion, what you're trying to get to. And you've got to trust your data is going to take you on the right path. That's, that's what our experience was. Data integrity is kind of everything, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, that's a very uh, uh, valid point, right? Means it is always use case dependent. Means if your use case is proprietary, you need to have your internal models. If your use case is generic, then you can definitely use the uh, open source models as well. Uh, and cut uh, the example that you shared, uh, I can uh, share yeah, that this is not the only case. We have seen these type of issues across the different uh, organization as well, right? In the, in the BFSI areas, they all want to have these models as a, their differentiators. And that's where the data integrity becomes paramount. If you feed in uh, bad data, it's just garbage in and garbage out. So the same pieces come in, yeah, but interesting. The second piece, which I have seen, uh, the trend which has uh, made this data ops uh, very um, different is uh, also the cloud modernization journey. Earlier, uh, it was just all on-prems and uh, as you said, right, the mainframe pieces, but now, with the cloud data, you have to have different consideration into place. One consideration is how you can leverage the cloud capacity and it can just uh, means consuming large amount of data in a very short span of time. Second is how you can just also ensure that the data is secure. So those security elements, which uh, then translates into your encryption of the data, making it tokenization and then detokenizing it as well, effectively managing it with the uh, cloud cost. So these different considerations also needs to be played into the data pipeline that we create. And that also becomes a part of the data ops on how we are going to integrate these pieces. How are we going to ensure that the data ops can help in the cost optimization? It can also help in the security consideration into place. So these are the two major things that I have seen means the cloud modernization and the machine learning aspects, which are now making this data ops evolve and making the, you can say, value of data integrity uh, paramount. Maybe your thoughts uh, on what the trends are coming for you. I'm I'm curious, Arun, building off of what you said, as does anyone have a really good example either for themselves or one of the one of your customers' companies you've worked with of where we we all want software to help us as a competitive advantage, our ability to deliver the right software at the right time. I think it really means the right software, the right data, right, to be able to do that. Um, by taking a data ops approach, any good, any really good examples where you can see the business thinks more strategically, operates more effectively, is more competitive, some dynamic that, you know, the the C-level folks are going to say that was worth it. Whatever they did back in those groups that do all this work, that helped a lot. Yeah, we have uh, multiple examples. One I can share and then uh, uh, we can just build on it, right? So one is... Uh, during the uh, COVID time, uh, when the uh, different com- uh, companies, or particularly I'm talking about the BFSI area, the banking and financial services, they had to have the uh, 
cash reserve ratios at their end right they have to amount for the uncertainties which is there and then they have to build up the uh, amount at their end so that they can adjust to the loan defaults which can happen and it was the time of uh, march 2020 uh, around that frame right where there was a lot of change market has changed abruptly and everybody was anticipating that there will be large amount of loan default so uh, the companies or the large financial institutions they were uh, uh, struggling with it because they have to just report these type of cash reserves within a short span of time to regulatory bodies now what does that mean all these uh, cash reserves and the loan default are being predicted by the machine learning models so it means these models have to be updated to the new data in a very short span of time otherwise they will have regulatory impact they will have their balance sheet impact right so this struggle this just made sure that the cloud can be leveraged it also made sure that how your systems can be more automated how you can just feed in the right data so that you can just predict the right amount of impact that you are going to have on the loan default and essentially on your balance sheet so that was in one example where we have seen even the ceos because it is going to impact their earning calls so ceos getting involved in the outcome of the data models which are going to be there and uh, it comes to my mind where i have seen that not only one company but almost all the large companies they were impacted by this and they have to just address it other examples or build on that one yeah i i don't know that i have a specific example but um literally everything that we're building at trimedics right now is data products um i think devani made this point earlier um what we realized is uh yes we've got technicians in hospitals repairing maintaining medical equipment but that that workflow generates lots of really valuable data and so that's that's been the core of our investment over the last 4 or 5 years that we've been going through this digital transformation as a company um everything that we're building is built on data so we we literally built uh, an informatics platform essentially what how we're describing it um that we use to present data in different ways to different um different personas you know of our customers that want to understand different aspects of their uh install base and i guess to use Arun's example of covid um if you remember early covid one of the one of the big scrambles was for ventilators you know appropriate ventilator equipment um i had in my state uh, a good friend of mine does some consulting with the state and we had top leaders at the state reaching out to trimedics to help us help understand what hospitals do we have in indiana that may not be properly equipped and i think that was not necessarily a turning point we had started this journey but really just affirmed that um our our product investments really need to be in and around our data Yeah, I have an interesting one. Uh we were working with a um an earlier stage company um um in the telemedicine space. Uh and uh at the beginning of COVID, uh their business went crazy as you guys can imagine. Um and they had started a process around setting up a data ops team and building out a data ops team, but the team was very focused on their automation capabilities, a lot of the stuff that Arun was talking about and this was a company that has you know like very modern they have a lot of machine learning models a lot of automation and i think if you looked at it from a surface perspective you would say they're kind of you know 
meeting all the best practices. They've implemented everything you would expect. What, the, what they were finding was that they were missing this human in the loop element, which a lot of organizations also find in their DevOps journeys where they think we're going to automate all our CI CD pipelines. And then they forget that, you know, those pipelines break all the time. Like these things require, you know, we're still not quite at the point with like general AI where we can go on vacation and let the system do its own thing. And so uh, they ended up investing very deeply in, um, you know, just some some uh, workflows and human in the loop processes that would allow for um, better interruption of problems when there was an issue, like really quickly identifying it, bringing all the right stakeholders into the room. And one of the things that they that they said is, um, if you don't know what the ultimate goal of the data is, then you don't know if the data actually has integrity or not, because the outcome ultimately drives uh, what integrity means. And so being able to go in and do that ended up giving them some really fabulous data. It stopped them from growing too early in certain areas that you would see little blips. Um, and they started being able to, un, you know, kind of bring together lots of different sources of data. And, and you know, based on, on, you know, all the conversations we had, it was really transformational for their organization. Well, can I add the fourth wheel to this? Yeah, go for it. Uh, all right. So we talked about healthcare. We've talked about banks. I'll talk about utilities. And I'll give you the name, Duke Energy, the big giant Northeast provider. So the use case is, is that um, with ESG and the and, and all these use cases you should really note are multi-million dollar problems. These are not small issues. These are huge things being solved. Um, in this case, um, they have to monitor for any type of leak of natural gas in their entire system at all times. If they, the regulators find out first, they get fined. If they got to find it, fix it before they do. So data ops is really about speed and velocity, right? We got to be able to do this quickly. So their use cases is that they would overlay all their gas pump and, and monitoring data on top of it, all the GIS data, satellite imagery, and then be able to tie that all together in real time so that they could spot gas leaks and get somebody out there, get it fixed before we get in trouble. That's really what it boils down to. And big trouble. Um, I think one of the, if they did not have that automation in those processes with data ops driving the entire, bringing all that different data together, it, it would never happen, right? And, uh, you know, they're a great customer of ours. Um, but the, the, the thing I think was interesting, they, would, they, they saw something going on outside the Mercedes plant there in North Carolina, and they rolled the trucks. And when they got there, they found out they had left open the door on the warehouse and they used methane driving forklifts. And they were actually catching that data real time as they left the door open. So I just want to tell you, this is the kind of things of speed and velocity of these problems that can just that you've got to be on top of. And, it, and this, is, this is what this is here for, data ops, to allow you to have that kind of response. It's amazing when the integrity and the access to the data is to be able to do all those things, right? Because that's half the battle. It's like, where is this? Who's got it? How do we get to it? We've solved all those problems here long ways down the road. Well, let's do this. We're, we have just a few minutes left. I wish we had another hour to tack on to this conversation because I'd love to hear some more stories as well as experiences. If there's been a takeaway, you know, and you've had multiple, I'm sure, in your careers and working in data and data ops that you would share with someone maybe who's earlier in the process of adopting this in their organization or maybe themselves, 
what what are what is a, a takeaway that you would say, boy, if I knew that knew this or it took me a while to figure this out, but once I kind of got that, that really helped me accelerate our path, my path, whatever it is. Um, Arun, do you want to you want to start us out? Sure. Uh, so I say that uh, one thing that we have learned from multiple implementations that we have done across in the different companies is uh, going by a well-defined tool can definitely help you to gain that advantage. And uh, the second piece is that it requires a close coordination across the data testing as well as the applications teams to be together so that they can just have this data ops. And so you need to have a collaboration across getting it all the stakeholders together and leverage the tools which are out there in the market. It can give you a good start and it can just make sure that uh, the data ops uh, values that you can uh, expect, they are uh, derived. Great. Andrew, jump in. Yeah, I think I'll just go back to my opening remark and say uh, my one takeaway would be to not be afraid to start with data uh, on your DevOps journey. Um, you know, don't feel like this is DevOps is uh, software engineering capability because um, it's, you know, like I said, was tremendously impactful for us starting with our data teams. Very cool. Curse, I'm saving you for last. So, Devani. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that um, my biggest piece of advice would be don't let perfect be the enemy of done. Um, I think very often people say, here's my like, two-year roadmap and we're going to, you know, plan out all these pieces. And those are the projects that always seem to just drag on and on and on and on and never really get to a great place. Every great transformation I've seen in this space has started with a small team with a great mandate uh, and strong support from the executive team to do what it takes, because this is a coordination heavy area. It does involve lots of different teams, lots of different systems. These days, there are lots of, um, you know, off the shelf tools and more coming that can help with that journey. But even there, you know, I think before you've, you know, and this is a little bit against my company, but before you've gone and spent the money on all the technology, you know, like really look at what you've got in house, what expertise you've got in house and use that as a starting point. And it's okay to take baby steps along the way there because they do add up over time and reinforce themselves. I think that's great advice. Okay, Curtis, let you bring it home one more time. I think those are I don't think I could top those three. It's perfect. And really kind of the, the, the idea is, is that um, what we look at the world is that um, executive sponsorship, being able to get the people that really have a vision involved and often getting their focus because there's so many different things going on to make them understand how important this process is going to be to everyone in the organization. Um, I will just give you a hint. This is the thing I use and, and I've learned is that if you focus on a problem that is millions of dollars, you can get people's attention. Okay. So what I tell everyone is like, you know, there's lots of things out there you can do, but when you find those kinds of problems and you go to a CIO or a CEO and you say, you know, you've got $50 million and know your customer finds at the bank and we can solve that. You've got tens of millions of dollars. You've got hundreds of millions of innovation. When you throw those kind of numbers out, trust me, it, it, it you can get change made, but you've got to really, to, to me, that is a helpful part. Don't have to have it, but I will promise you, if you can find those problems and solve them for companies, 
they will work with you and they they're, they're it'll change minds. Well, to connect the dot, I guess I'll wrap it up this way. Um, you know, finding those those BHAG, those meeting problems that really can make a difference for your organization. You don't have to solve it perfectly, right? You can to borrow um to borrow a phrase or co-opt it from the Martian Matt Damon, you can DevOps the you know what out of it, right? Go after it and do this incrementally and make progress. And and that's how you uh not only course correct, but you help yourself learn along the way because there's an awful lot of things you pick up by doing not just by planning. So um, great conversation. Uh, super excited about uh, data ops. And I'm encouraged for all the data wonks in the world that <laughs> they can be part of this process too. So uh, my, my thanks to you, Curtis and Devani and Andrew and Arun for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your expertise. By the way, Arun, congrats on the, uh, I think your partner of the year with uh, Infotray Centers, I remember, right? Nice. Yep, definitely. Good work, dude. So uh, give us, give others something to aspire to. Congrats <laughs> to you all. Thanks to everybody that's joined us today. Hey, I want to point out that we have uh, a, a DevOps Unbound live roundtable coming up on July 27th. Now, it's this kind of a format, but with the audience engaged with us in chat and discussion. And that that tracks to a lot of times where the audience goes and with their questions and response. And we adjust and morph. And you're talking about dev DevOpsing the you-know-what out of it. That's kind of what we do on those live roundtables. So um, go check out the uh, devos.com website, the webinar section, July 27th. And I hope you will join us. The topic is living at the intersection between testing and observability. There is an intersection there. It's a pretty interesting conversation. I will have a good time. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of DevOps Inbound. Thanks, Mitch, for hosting us. Thank you.